And we've been looking at a series um, that has been really uh, neat for me as I've been just preparing and praying about it. Uh, we're looking at the season that we're in and that we're in a season of, of, of harvest. We're in, we're in a season of sowing, that we're in that time of the calendar where that's what we're doing. Again, Ecclesiastes, this is where we've started every week. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to plant or a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. And we've just been talking about this time of planting. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're planting. We're sowing. We talked about the reality that every one of us were sowing in our lives. We're either sowing good seed or bad seed. But our lives were constantly broadcasting seed. We talked about, you know, what kind of seed it is that we want to see. I mean, if we think about what kind of harvest we want to have, we should be intentional about what kind of seed we're sowing. We continued on and then we looked at just one seed and how much potential was in one seed. So often we take for granted the one seed. We just discard it. But there's so much potential in one seed. Our illustration that we used that morning was a pumpkin seed. 54 million pumpkins in about three years from one seed. That's the potential of the seed, the promise that God has sown in your life. Uh, last week was, was Mother's Day and we just talked about that we have to have faith or we have to trust. You know, we sow seed. We sow it in good soil. We do our part. But we have to trust that God's going to be the one who grows it. There's faith in growing. There's faith that trusting that there's nothing I can do. At the point I put the seed in the ground, I mean, I can still stimulate. I can still be a catalyst. But there's nothing I can do to make the seed grow. I have to trust for that seed to grow. So we're talking about putting our faith in God Last week in the seeds that we're sowing, whether it's in our families or in our friends or in our community, we've got to trust that God is going to be the one who makes the increase or who makes things grow. So the next question I had is, are there any other variables that will affect the harvest? I mean, as I think about sowing, as I think about uh, reaping, we talked about Apollos. He said, you know, uh, or Paul said, I, I planted Apollos water. You know, we know the fundamentals. Soil, water, sunlight, we get that. But is there something else that I can be looking at in my life that would give me a greater chance for a harvest? I mean, most people don't sow a seed so they don't have a harvest. They want an abundant harvest. I mean, you know, maybe zucchini, we get too many of those and we've got to give them away. But really, when we, when we sow seed, we're expecting a, as good of a harvest as we possibly can get, right? I mean, we want our Seeds to produce the most fruit possible. So the question I, I look at is, is, is there something else? Are there any other things that we should be doing? Are there other things that, that can affect? Or I, Obviously, I'm not going to make it grow, but are there things I can do to help it grow? And this morning, there's an example that, that, that I want us to look at that I believe is consistent with creation. It's consistent in growing. It's consistent in, in us. It's consistent in, in the entirety of the Scriptures. And it, it, it's this promise, it's this practice that we can put in place that provides the best opportunity for a harvest. Last year, Trevor, I'm a, I'm a Kentucky boy, so some of this stuff doesn't make any sense. Uh, Trevor left for the summer to go on a detas- detasseling crew. To me, that seems like a lot of work for what in the world? I mean, why do you want all these people going through pulling the tassels off of corn? I mean, it just seems like a crazy 
practice. And I don't get it. I mean, I didn't get, I didn't understand, like, what is the value in going through fields, pulling these things up? I mean, God made them that way. Let's leave them. I mean, they'll do their thing, right? And so I started to read about detasseling. And I realized detasseling is all about cross-pollination. The word that I want to look at, the kingdom principle that I want to look at based upon our season of harvesting today is cross-pollination. And that through cross-pollination, what the farmers have learned, that by, by, by I think they say they have one row of, of males and about six rows of females, um, that that one row of males will take care of, but, but that by cross-pollination, they're getting the best potential for their harvest. Seed corn through cross-pollination. Here, I'll read it um, because I probably won't get it right. Most seed corn is sold as a hybrid variety, meaning two different parent plants were used in production of the corn kernels. A field planted with hybridized corn may yield double or triple the number of bushels as self-pollinated varieties. Understandably, farmers want to gain the most maximum yield for their fields, so they're paid by the bushels harvested. In order to produce these seeds, the seed companies plant two, veg- two varieties and force them to cross-pollinate. Seed producers uh, uh, may yield one variety known for high production, another known for disease resistance. So farmers have learned that by forcing cross-pollination, that by people, by, by plants that are different, that have different strengths and different weaknesses, that by putting them together, they're actually coming out with something that is much greater. Sometimes we go to the store, we like, we like to buy Honeycrisp apples. Have you ever had a Honeycrisp apple? They are delicious. I mean, they're just yummy. I mean, sweet, tart, everything. They're about the perfect apple. I like them. We buy them, but they're expensive. I mean, you pay for a Honeycrisp apple. So I thought, well, why don't I buy a Honeycrisp apple tree? Well, I started reading about Honeycrisp apple trees. Guess what? If I plant one Honeycrisp apple tree, guess how many apples I will get? I will get zero apples if I plant a Honeycrisp apple tree by itself. When I'm reading about, then all of a sudden I'm going to have an orchard or something, so I'm not going to plant all these out. I mean, it was just supposed to be apples. But the reality is that there is no fruit when a Honeycrisp tree is by itself. There's a kingdom principle. There's an understanding in Scripture that, that, that is so real. I mean, it, it's, it's just seen throughout all things. Cross-pollination, it's prevalent and growing. Fruit trees, apples, plums, cherries, pears, they're cross-pollinated because they, it says they're self-unfruitful. I believe that when we look at these things, when we look at the corn or we look at the fruit, I think God is, is showing us something imperative. Things are not self-fertile. They can't reproduce by themselves. They, they need fellowship to produce fruit. There's a truth uh, that, 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 that seems to be, it's a theme not only in, in producing fruit, but we see that animals, they seem to have a, a necessity for community. We have herds, right? We have um, 
We have swarms. We have flocks. We have pods of seals. I mean, it seems like through creation we can see something about community. There's something about being a part of something bigger. That God is, is communicating to us. What is the principle of cross-pollination telling me about the kingdom of God, about the harvest that God wants to produce in us? The principle that I'm discovering, the truth that, that I want us to be aware of is it is imperative for us to be together. It is imperative for us to, to work with one another, to produce the maximum harvest that God would have for us to produce. If we expect to see our seed grow, if we expect to, to see the good fruit come, we're going to have to work together. There's something about community that is going to be imperative for our harvest to grow. Hebrews chapter 10. That's my verse I Really wanted to hold, start in this morning. Uh, as you turn there, as you look at the screen, I'm just going to pray. God bless our time. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. We thank you for the chance to gather together. And Spirit of God, we just ask that you speak to us through creation. Speak to us through what we understand. Speak to us through what we know, Father. Help us to discover the truths of you and your kingdom. Pray for the words that are spoken, the words that are heard, everything in this place. It will be led and directed by the very Spirit of God. In in Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, there's value in community. Coming together has an effect on what comes out. Every one of us brings value together as we gather as a church we're better together. I mean, it's just a simple, it sounds silly, it sounds cliche, but it's the reality of the kingdom of God. We are so much better when we all bring our, our strengths and weaknesses to the same place. Hebrews says, let us consider then how we can spur on, encourage, how we can push forward one another. I mean, I want to see the very best in your life. As a pastor, I want you to become the greatest disciple of Christ that you can possibly be. I want to see you accomplishing all the value and the purpose and the plans that God has for your life. As a parent, my kids, I know their potential, so what do I do? I push them. Pam, sometimes, Avery, she does her spelling tests. And Tam is tough, okay? She'll spell a test, she'll practice with them, and she'll have them done. Friday morning, she goes to school, she'll come home and she'll miss one. And Tam pushes her. Why did you miss this one? You knew it. I know you knew it. I mean, and it's a frustration, but, but oftentimes there's, there's value that comes through the encouragement, through the spurring that we miss. And what did the the author of Hebrews say? Why aren't you getting that encouragement? Why aren't you being spurred on? Why aren't you being pushed? 
Because they've given up what? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There's something about us gathering together. Whether it's a Sunday morning or a Thursday night or or a Wednesday afternoon, it doesn't matter. But there's something special that happens when the people of God come together. There's value that comes. You know things that I don't know. You're good at things that I'm not good at. But when we come together, we strengthen one another, right? Acts chapter 2, today's Pentecost Sunday, and I'd get in trouble as a Pentecostal pastor if I didn't mention Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost, I don't have this in there, the very first verse, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I love the fact that Pentecost, which we talk about Acts chapter 2, that's where the promise of the Holy Spirit was revealed to God's people, where he poured out his Spirit on them, the promise that Jesus spoke about before he, he ascended to heaven. He said, I will endue you with power. You will be clothed with power from on high, and you'll be my witnesses. That's this day that we talk about. But what I love about that is the truth that often we look over is Acts chapter 2 says they were all together in one place. We often talk about the, 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 the power of the Spirit that came. I mean, we read the story, the, the Holy Spirit comes, descends on them, uh, tongues of fire appear on their head, they speak in other languages. But it started where? When they all gathered together in one place. They all gathered together in one place. And then what do we see? I mean, and this is at the end. I'm skipping the whole Pentecost. But I'm, I'm probably getting in trouble. My superintendent's going to call me if he listens to my sermon and say, you skip Pentecost. I'm skipping through some of that this morning. But we see the fruit of this. It started by them being together in one place. We see the power of God does come. I don't, I'm not looking at that. But in 42 of that same chapter, they devoted to themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Those who are being saved. Talk about fruit. It started because they were together. All those verses that I read. I'm not proposing we sell everything and we come together this morning. um, But what I am saying is that there's something about when we come together. There's something about when we do life together that produces fruit. It allows the kingdom promise to be revealed. We see it in Acts chapter 2. They were devoted to one another, right? It started with their love for one another. It wasn't talking about what they were doing. We get to that. We hear that. But they were devoted to one another. They broke bread with one another. They called each other up every once in a while and said, hey, I'm throwing some burgers on. You want to come have dinner with me tonight? Right? They broke bread. They did life together. When they saw one was down, they met the need within. They, They loved one another genuinely. And what happened through that love? Suddenly, there was kingdom harvest. 
Because they came together. They weren't just about their self, but they were about one another. And God did something remarkable. There's fruit when we come together. There's fruit when we gather together. Why? Because everyone has something to offer. Sometimes we devalue ourselves. Sometimes we say it doesn't matter. I don't have anything to offer. doesn't matter if I'm there or not. Every one of us is imperative. Every part of the body is essential. You remember the, I did a sermon on that one time and I talked about a nut and I called us all nuts like, you know, like a bolt and a nut and how when one one nut's not on something it can affect the whole thing the whole thing comes to a stop so you're a nut that's what i was saying that sunday every part is imperative second or first corinthians uh chapter 12 now if the foot should say because i'm not a hand i don't belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them. He's put all of us together just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part in it. And I will tell you that you are an imperative piece in the body of Christ. Your gifts, your value, your purpose, what you're good at, the, 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 the abilities that you have, they bring value to the work that God desires to accomplish when we come together. I don't do this. I don't do that. We're not defined by what we don't do. Right? You're defined by what you can do. And sometimes we, we just sell ourselves short or we think it doesn't matter if I'm here or not. How fun is a puzzle when one piece is gone? I'm sure everybody gets excited when they get the thousand piece puzzle and they get to the very end and they can't find that last piece. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's not an edge. Everybody thinks the edge pieces are the important pieces of a puzzle, right? That's where you start. You get all the ones with edges because the corner piece, I mean, them are imperative. I mean, just one of them little ones. It looks like all the other ones. It doesn't really matter. But when it comes to the whole, you see, we look at things through ourselves. But when it comes to a picture of the whole, there's so much value that you bring. God made you. He designed you. He put those weird protrusions out this side and that side because you fit in a place in his body. And if we're going to see the fruit that God desires for us to see, we're going to have to work together. We're going to have to cross-pollinate to help each other grow. We're going to have to spur. We're going to have to encourage. We're going to have to strengthen. But the important thing we realize is that everyone is a necessity. We're all important. 
We all have something to offer in this process. There's strength and encouragement in coming together. Proverbs chapter 27. It says this. Did did, did that not get in there? Proverbs chapter 27. It says, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. There's strength that comes through fellowship. That was Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17. You bring strength. There's a scripture, and I think it's in Ecclesiastes. Don't know for sure off the top of my head where it talks about a strand of one is is quickly broken. Two, it's harder to break, but a, a strand, a cord of three strands is not easily broken is what it says. There's strength when we come together. A picture of that strength that I love. Um, we think about the uh, the redwood trees in California, right? Tallest trees there are. Probably the greatest sign of strength. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you're strong as a redwood. We feel good about that. It's a neat thing. But, but what I've learned about the redwoods is their strength, their endurance, it doesn't come just from their self. I mean, they grow to be the tallest of trees, the, the, the biggest of trees that we can imagine, but their strength comes from each other. Because what I learned about redwoods is, you know, you would think a, a tree that tall would have really deep roots. The roots would go down real far and grab a hold of. The roots don't go down real far, but they go out real far. And so what happens is I got a redwood tree here and I got a redwood tree here. And their roots start to grow together and they intertwine. And then I got another tree over here, and their roots grow together and they intertwine. And all these trees together, when they intertwine, they become something that can endure weather and endure problems because what they define, scientists, whatever, they say they hold hands under the ground. There's strength when we come together. There's support and encouragement that comes by us just working together. So when you're having a rough time, when you don't know uh, whether you can move forward, you come to your brother or sister in Christ and we can stand with you. You're not fallen. You're not broken. You're not shaken because we're with you. And I'm going to support you right now. We'll just hold hands. We can hold them underground. I mean, that's funny for me because when I was in college, you know how I like to hold hands? I didn't like to hold hands publicly. We had to conceal it. I wasn't going to be God walking around campus holding hands in public. Public display of affection doesn't happen. We hold hands underground, but not in public. <laughs> There's support. Support that, that one tree by itself, it might just fall over. The one tree when... That wind came, that storm rose, and that, 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 that situation arose, and all of a sudden it could not withstand and it fell. But because there was one here, and because there was one here, and there was one here, and there was one here, and they were all intertwined, and they were all holding hands, there was strength in that storm. And so many times we are us, and we think we're strong enough, and so we're just going to stand alone. And then the storm comes and we're scrambling to find someone to hold on to. There's strength 
and encouragement that comes through the body of Christ. And by us doing life, by us being together in fellowship, by us working together with one another, by us living the truth from Acts chapter 2, that, that we break bread, that we are devoted to one another, suddenly, fruit, suddenly, promise comes that we weren't dreaming was possible. Scripture says the early church to their numbers daily were added those who were being saved. They were making kingdom impact every day because they were leaning on each other every day. If they had Facebook, they'd have messaged each other, they'd have called each other, they'd have talked to each other, they'd have texted each other. They did life together. They supported one another. They didn't wait to be asked when there was a need, but they met the need when they saw it because they loved each other. John, it's chapter uh, 13. I think that one was in there at least, wasn't it? John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When we genuinely love each other, the world notices. When we genuinely care for each other, people take notice. Connor, I'm going to embarrass you, okay? Good. He gave me permission, so no one can yell at me. I'm probably going to embarrass you because I'm going to brag on you a little bit. A couple Sundays ago, I was outside. I had a, we were helping Irene move a freezer. Walt and I, that's the body of Christ helping each other. We were helping her move a freezer, and I walked outside, and I saw Connor walking out to the car. Connor, how old are you? 24-year-old. Okay. He's walking out to the car. You know who he's got with him? He's got Rowling and Sarah. And I love Rowling and Sarah. I think they're wonderful people. But I'm watching Connor open the door for Rowling. I'm watching him fold up Sarah's walker and put Sarah's walker in the car. And I'm thinking, wow. I don't know many four. I said to Walt, I don't know many guys my age that would do that every Sunday. Let alone 24-year-olds. Well, there's something about love. And when we love each other, Connor's demonstration of love by putting their needs before his own, by sacrificing himself on Sundays, allows for Sarah and Rowing to be able to be in church with us so we can experience the gifts that they bring. But it's because there's genuine love. And I will tell you, it stands out. I mean, it doesn't make sense. We don't see that normally. That's not normal man behavior, let alone 24-year-old man behavior. And it stands out. Our love is a demonstration. When people see us genuinely love each other, what do people typically say about the church? They don't typically talk about our love, right? I mean, they typically, the, the world's response, the church is a bunch of hypocrites, right? That's what they want to say. But what about when we genuinely love each other? 
when we're genuinely doing life with each other, when we're genuinely caring for each other, spurring one another on, encouraging one another, standing with each other, meeting needs with one another. What does that speak? What does that demonstrate? John says it's by our love. It's by our love that's expressed when we come together. It's by our love that's expressed when we break bread together. When we do life together. That they, meaning the world, will know. People will recognize in us. Not by our words. Not by our proclamations. But they'll recognize in us by our love. Let's come back to Pentecost. He said, oh, do us with power. Right? To be effective witnesses. To be an effective witness, I've got to have love, right? Some people are hard to love, amen? Sometimes we say, I don't know that I can love. He'll give you the power. You've been endued with power to be an effective witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's given you the power to be able to love even when you don't want to. He's given you the power to be able to love even those situations where you don't think you've got any left. And by your love, they will know. By the way, we love each other as a body. We will be a demonstration to to the world about the love of God and what it means. And people will be drawn to that. People will be a part of that. There's value. Immense value in cross-pollination. probably should turn my notes on. Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us consider how we can spur one another on toward good love and deeds. What do you bring? What value is in you? Let us consider, it says, how we can spur one another on. How has God designed you? Not everyone's going to sing every Sunday morning. I'll tell you what, anybody want to play drums? I've got a drum set this week. If you want to play drums during worship, we've got a drum set now. I mean, there's probably someone who, maybe that, that's working in you. It'd bring value. Not everyone wants to preach every Sunday. I get it. That's fine. Not everyone wants to teach every Sunday. That's fine. But what, how can you? Hebrews says, let us consider what I bring. Let me consider what I have. Let me consider what what value I bring. Your value might be in a conversation. It might be inviting someone over to have dinner. It might be in praying with someone. But what value do you bring? Because your value is imperative for the kingdom work in our church. Galatians chapter 6. We've heard this. I've preached this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. For us to reap the proper harvest, for us to reach the kingdom harvest, we must have cross-pollination. 
We have to be together. We have to work together. We have to love one another with a love that is apparent, with a love that is transparent. I don't know what that was. For us to experience the harvest that I believe God is promising, for us to experience all that I believe God is saying He's going to do, we're all going to have to consider, like the book of Hebrews said, how we, how I, how you, how each one of us can spur one another on. What do I bring to recognize there's value in you, there's value in your life, there's value in your gifts, there's value in your strengths, and there's value in your weaknesses. And let's just start holding hands. Being devoted to one another. Let's provide strength for one another. Bring the value that that we bring and watch God do something remarkable. There's necessity in community throughout creation. You guys can come forward. This morning, uh, as we conclude, this morning as we wrap up, I think the question that I want to end with is the question from the book of Hebrews. Let us consider how we can spur one another on. And as we spend just a little bit of time in, in reflection, as we spend a little bit of time, I would just ask you to consider how you can spur one another on. Recognize who you are. Recognize who He is. And just ask God to begin to whisper, to begin to speak. You might say, I don't know what I bring to the table. I don't know where I'm at. Maybe the Spirit of God this morning can speak to you, can show you. Maybe you'll have a thought or an idea that you say, that's probably just me. And it's really the Spirit of God. Whatever it is, but there's something. And as God begins to whisper, as the Spirit of God begins to speak... Consider how you can spur on one another, what you bring. Maybe today's a day to hold some hands. Maybe there's someone you know that that needs someone to hold their hand, that just needs someone to stand with them in prayer, that needs someone to to lift them up. Maybe God's placed them on your heart and you can go to them and say, this is really weird, sorry, but I want to pray for you. I want to lift you up today because God placed you on my heart. I don't know why God placed you on my heart. I don't know what he's saying, but I feel like that's what he's saying to do. I just want us to allow God to do what God does. Father, we come to you. And God, I thank you for lessons. That all of creation cries out with the necessity of community. That we can see it in animals. That we can see it in ourselves. You say it's not good for man to be alone. We need community. And God, as we seek, I pray first that we understand that we're needed. God, that you created us how you made us. That you designed us perfectly with the purpose and plans that you had for our lives. And God, as we recognize our place, as we recognize where you have placed us, God, I pray that we can consider
God, show me. Our prayer today, God, show me how I can be used in the body of Christ. Show me how I can spur one another on. Show me how I can show your love. Give me genuine love. Maybe you say, I don't have the power to love. Ask the Spirit of God to give you power to be an effective witness. We're not going to be effective witnesses without the love of God flowing from us. Help us this day, God, to recognize the value for the harvest that is coming, for the harvest that you've promised, for the harvest that we will receive as we work together. Holding hands, doing life, breaking bread. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you consider how you can spur one another on. May you see your value in all that God can do through you and your life as we come together. Amen? Be blessed.